Your Face and No Other. Edward Holman's Portwick, written by Entangled Now and read by Job. The storm was worse than most Crowley had seen in his very long life. The rain is horizontal against the sails, the ship lurching and diving on every swell of water, until it seemed like every man aboard might be pitched over the side. Whatever coin they'd taken on their last raid would be more than spent fixing and repairing and replacing, assuming they all survived. Two of his crew had been tossing half their share of gold overboard to appease whatever gods might spare them. Crowley knew personally that it would make no difference, of course, and the deep dark sea was not a place to conquer to peace. Sometimes it was simply a thing to survive, to laugh until it dashed you against the rocks. It's a long day of weathering the buffeting of wind, rain and waves, of fearing the next lingering strike would take a mast or set the sails aflame, but eventually they sail through the worst of it. The boat is dark and swollen with water, the man exhausted. But the knowledge that they'd all survive at least one more day has their mood jubilant, and Crowley gives them leave to open a new barrel of grog and to drink in shifts after the first repairs are completed. He walks the length of the boat, checking the ropes are fast and the rails are solid. Until he reaches the sweeping curve of the starboard side and finds long, glistening patches on the wood. They shine in the early evening light, moving onto the boat to create a swirling pattern on the deck, as if a vast, tentacled creature had dragged itself aboard. The slick pattern moves towards mid-deck, where it abruptly becomes a set of bare footprints. The captain will be in his cabin, he tells the watch, and then heads down the stairs into the dark. He finds Azira fingering his way through his meager book collection, now dressed like a gentleman, no glistening tentacles or gelatinous eyes to be seen. His pale curls of hair glow in the lamplight. Piracy suits you, darling. He says without turning, You look very dashing. Crowley leaves his gun and both his knives on the chair by the door, sweeping off his hat and tossing it onto the bed. Then he slides in behind the only other demon he's ever liked. Not loved, never loved. They know better than to admit that. He loops an arm around Azira's waist, mouth fixed instantly on the salt-sweet softness of his neck. I haven't seen you for almost three hundred years, Angel. He breathes into the skin. He feels the sigh at the word that's supposed to be mocking, but often sounds more like an endearment. They'd spent most of the fourteenth century drinking, Crowley miserable at the brutality and the corruption, Nazira at the ignorance and the senseless, inefficient waste of it all. 
was starting to wonder if I needed to stick a message in a bottle and toss it into the ocean. Azira slithers around in his arms, hands pushing up into Crowley's hair. He kisses him once, fiercely, before letting him go. Take off your clothes. I want to squeeze as many parts of myself into you as you can hold. Crowley hisses a long note of agreement, a rouser lurching in his gut. He starts stripping off his doublet, short coat and shirt before getting to work on his breeches. He'd remove the whole lot with a gesture if Zira didn't enjoy watching him undress so much, the awkward, eager humanity of it. He backs towards the bed, prizing his boots off by the heels, Azira's level and pupils follow his progress before he finally joins him, close simply writing away. Crowley has hands on him instantly, feeling the stretch and squirm of his true form under the skin. The cherubs who fell don't quite fit inside a human corporation, at least not for long, they're too big. Their four aspects melding into one unholy monstrosity rather than any recognizable animal. But Crowley laughs. Crowley wants him all the same. There's a greed to his fellow demon that Crowley can't match. A determined, hungry desire to have everything Crowley will give him. They thresh in the sheets, neither of them able to resist that first desire to fight after so long apart. To grab hold of each other as hard as they can. Azira will soften the winner, even when he doesn't try. He leaves Crowley face down on the bed, groaning under the steady push of something that's just about still cock into his ass. The relentless, heavy stretch of it soon turns his noise into a series of hot, panting breaths, but his body opens, and then opens more. The first time is to burn the edges off, the second for the pleasure of it. The third has Azira sprawled on his back, Crowley moving quick and hard in her slap. The fourth time they lose track of what's human and what isn't. The lamp has burned low, though they're both more than capable of seeing in the dark, and Crowley can't look away from the pale spill of Azira's eyes, the width of his shoulders. But the body between his widespread legs is more leviathan than human now, his anus stretched paint tight around the cram of half a dozen slick, squirming lengths. The room isn't close to big enough for Zira to change completely, but Crowley has never objected to the touch of his lover's true form. Later, if Zira is feeling amenable, Perhaps he let Crowley sink his hemipenes into the slippery, vulnerable place beneath that mess of tentacles, and have a fallen cherub singing to the heavens again. The End